This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent big wins and memorable seasons is with championship rings. And the team at Legend Rings is here to help college coaches do just that. Visit legendrings.com and stay tuned later in the show for a special offer for you and your team, coach. And now it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, retired Brazilian banana farmer and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. All righty, Coach. Hey, here's something a little bit different for you today on this episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. What do coaching staffs do when they have too many recruits that are interested, when the response rate is more than they can handle. Yeah, that's a problem. And that's what we're going to talk about today because it requires management, just like managing any other part of your recruiting list, even when there aren't many responses, even when it's getting late in the game and you don't have enough kids. That requires management. The other requires management as well. And we're going to talk to a coach who contacted us. And uh, I am happy to say she was contacting us with this question because she has followed a lot of the instruction and advice and consultation that we've given to her over the years and that she's read. And what the result has been is more response than she can handle. Uh, Again, this goes straight to the science behind what we talk about with coaches. If you include the right language, if you craft and structure your messages correctly, these kids will respond. They will be interested. And that's what she was dealing with. And so that's the topic of today's show. I think you're going to find it really interesting. You're going to hear uh, a live conversation with myself and this coach as we go through the problem and how to manage it and, uh, and, and make it work the best as possible for a program. So I think you're going to learn a lot from it. We jump into the conversation by having her ask the question, uh, centered around, what do I do? I've got too many kids responding and I need help. And here's the conversation and what our advice was. But like I said, we start with her bringing up the issue that she was trying to deal with. I guess basically what's been going on is that um, a lot of the feedback that uh, or the ideas you've been giving have been really helpful. So things like um, great messaging, keeping it short, uh, getting a cool subject line. Um, and so now I've my problem essentially is that I have too much of a good thing. Uh, I've got too many responses from recruits to the point where, you know, responding within six to 10 days uh, is, is a lot. Right. So um, is there, is there a strategy that you have in separating, you know, the, the ones who are just responding because it's cool and the ones who might actually be, you know, someone for me to pursue? Sure. So let me ask maybe one or two follow-up questions. Are you asking that because you're trying to be more efficient with your time, and so you really only want to talk to the one the the prospects who would be more serious rather than just the ones sort of proverbially kicking the tires, or is it more of a um, of just a priority of who do I answer first? In other words, I want to talk to everybody, but I have to determine who to answer first. Which which one would you say it kind of fits into? Um, I think it's a, a little bit of both, but maybe more who do I talk to first at this point? 
Um, there, I mean, there's clearly going to be some people who just wouldn't make it onto our roster, right. no matter how much improvement they had. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think trying to figure out um, who, how, when, where, why. Right. Well, and so the way that a lot of coaches will approach this is if, if I will take it into the context coach of what you outlined at the very start is that you've been using some of these principles, you've been adjusting some of the, the tactics and strategies that you use from a communication standpoint, you're seeing better results to the point where you're almost now have, you almost have too many, um, too many prospects coming in or, or a larger number than really you even would have room for if they all wanted to, to be there competing for you. So I'm assuming then that if you have this big pool, and, and this is a normal part of kind of the coaches that make this transition to some of these new philosophies that that, that work, that I want, if, if I'm going to have a big group of prospects to either talk to, have on campus, and, and that are interested, I want the best of the best of those to end up coming here. Is Did I sort of rephrase that or, or state that correctly? Is that sort of part of the motivation as well? Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, ultimately, when I'm looking at the the people that I'm talking to, um, I'm trying to figure out the ones who are going to be yieldable for us. Because there's some that are just they're they're very clearly too good for us, and there is, you know, there's not a snowflake's chance in hell of them actually ending up here. Um, but there are also some people who would absolutely make our program better. Um, that I really do want to focus on and and see if we could get them. And then of course there's the people who wouldn't, wouldn't have a spot on our roster. Right. 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 Or or if somehow they wound up on your roster, they're not going to help put the program, you know, forward into a better place. Let me coach, let me be play devil's advocate with you for a second, because you made a statement that there's clearly some kids, a, a, a certain segment of that responses of the responses that you're getting who are, from a talent standpoint, um, better than your, you know, what you feel your program would be able to to get. And um, you stated it a little more dramatically than I will in recapping it, but you, you know, we all got the point of what you were saying. So the, I guess the, the question, or maybe even a little bit of the, the pushback that I would ask for from you is why are they responding? If, if they are feeling like, there's something in the way that you're communicating with them that, that is attracting them to either talk with you or have an interest. Um, why is that? If, if, if your program uh, based on their talent level is not where it probably should be for them to be serious, but why are they, um, why, why are they responding and, and making contact with you and engaging with you? Um, mostly I think the reason that they're responding is, that the the breed of athlete that I work with prides itself on hard work, and okay. that was one of my one of my opening questions to people was just tell me about the hardest time that you've worked. And so hmm. I gave them Great an opportunity question. to brag about themselves, and that even people who are not answering the rest of the email uh, were definitely open to telling me how awesome they are. So. I think that's part of it. A lot of them have zero idea about where we are, who we are, what we are. 
Sure. Um, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. All, and that's a, a very fair question and probably a very well thought out way to, uh, to approach it. Um, here's what I would do. I still have seen a lot of programs who would, the, the same way that you did, Coach, sort of define their program as not the destination. We're not going to get these top kids. Um, and on the flip side, we talk to, in our research and the focus groups that we do for clients, if we're leading a workshop on a campus, and we get to, we always want to hear from prospects as to how they make their decision. There are a number, not nearly a majority, but there are a healthy number who say, I could have gone to this top division one school, or I could have gone to this type of, of uh, place, but either because of location or because of what I wanted in my educational experience or because of other factors, I wanted, I was really interested in school X because they fit that model, even though athletically I was at a different place. And what we find is that some coaches will, um, will so lead with their coaching eyes and their coaching goggles on because you're in the business of making accurate assessments and, you know, you want to prevent those lower tier kids from seeping onto your roster and taking you, you know, in not a good direction. And in the same process, you look at the upper tier kids and say, well, they would never come here because you're looking at them from a coach standpoint. Um, what I would suggest is that there are a number and say at the top, there, there aren't a majority or even a lot, but there's a number of prospects who that are, that are good athletically who will, and they tell us they're looking for something different than what, um, you know, I'll say the you know athletic society would say is the right school to go to based on their athletic experience. So all that being said, I think you work through those, um, you work through those, th that set of kids. And I'm assuming because of how you have detailed out you know, kind of how you've broken down athletes, you have a good sense of where they stand athletically, uh, at, at near the start of the process or very early on, I would still take those kids. And let's say they just represent five, five or 10% of your total number of athletes that are, that are you're in contact with, take them and very early on say, look, I'm interested. And I've, I've watched, I've seen you done a, B and C with your high school or your club or whatever the sport is. Clearly you can play and probably you can play at an even higher level than, than us. So my question for you is this, what, how do you, why do you feel like my school, our program could be the right fit for you? And just put that out there because when we, when we've advised coaches to do that, what sometimes the response that comes back is what I just described. Well, you know what? Um, I have some, some higher level offers or these programs are offering me, but I want to stay close to home or I don't want to. I don't want my college experience to be my sport twenty four seven. I want to play it, and I'm good at it, but I want more balance. So, again, I'm not at all painting the picture that these, this is the majority of athletes. Uh, it's just you know, from a statistical standpoint, it's not. You're looking at five to ten percent of really good athletes that would have this attitude, but they're out there, and you probably have seen competitors get them from time to time. Maybe you even got a couple by accident from time to time, and it's wonderful when it happens. What I'm suggesting is that you become, as a first part of this process that we're talking about, a little more intentional about going to that group first and going through and get, getting that assessment, getting them to answer that question, having that conversation, and 
by by virtue of that, you're maybe going to lose a bunch, a majority, but you're still going to have some left because they are going to fit into what I'm describing. Um, mm -hmm. And then you you move forward with the ones who are who do give you that answer. So again, the ones I, I gave you a description of the ones that would answer positively towards you that would be still in the game of this elite top group that you're recruiting. Everybody else, you're going to start hearing things like, well, coach, I'm just checking out all my options and wanted to see what what kind of, you know, full ride scholarship packages you offer. Well, maybe you're a school that doesn't offer that. Maybe you know, that's not the way your program operates. And they're just not looking at, you know, at who you are institutionally, you know, in a realistic way. And so those those are the ones that you need to get off your list and in the process with, because there's so many coaches and many that are listening to this right now. Who would say that's those are the ones I want, and I can convince them to come to my school? And what we've seen over time is that you really can't. So you take the ones that are interested, and there will be a handful. Get rid of everybody else, and they become recruits that you that you play the process out with. And you're not going to waste time because they're going to engage with you. But you're going to have some evidence prior to your engagement that they want to interact, that they want to do that, uh, and they're going to give you a good reason. Like I said, it's going to be based on a location or the type of school that you are, or they want something certain for their education and you're a school that offers it. Um, they're intentionally rejecting where as a coach, we would say they need to go or probably should go based on their talent level. And they're giving us a reason why. And that's where we can jump in and say, okay, well then that's somebody that should still be on my list. But the, the mistake that a lot of coaches make is they they lump all those into one and say, wow, I've got a shot at this kid. I'm going to keep recruiting him. And, and also along the way, I'm going to ignore the next level down because I might be able to get these six or seven superstars to come here. And then I don't need anybody else. And that, <laughs> that almost never happens. I mean, that doesn't happen at the highest level of, of, you know, BCS programs. It doesn't happen at small programs or anybody in between, but they're out there. So I wouldn't want you to completely, ignore it but that's the way you kind of reduce that number into a workable um you know a, a workable field um so first of all I'll, I'll pause there does that make sense or do you have any follow-up questions or anything on on that that line of thinking i mean it, it does make sense um i am never comfortable with change but it also you know Taking taking risks has paid off for us in a big way um, already, and you know, just because I'm not comfortable with it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. Well, uh. yeah, and, and to give you maybe to, and I appreciate you saying that because I think that is a sentiment reflected by most coaches. Um, to your credit, you've made some changes. Most coaches will listen to ideas, or even when we can prove that something would work, they don't. They still don't make the change. You already have. What I outlined to you is a very sound, realistic way of approaching it that we have seen work. Um, and again, I'm being very clear. <clears throat> if you have 10 kids on that list that you would define as next level, we're probably not going to get them type of prospects, you're probably going to hear back from three of those that would say, well, here's why I'm interested and it's going to make sense. And you eliminate the other seven. So the vast majority are going to fall into that category of, oh, I'm just looking around or I want to see what, how much money you're going to give me. And you know, you can't match what another, you know, another program could. Those are the ones that you don't, you know, that you need to move on from, but there are going to be those three. And if you get one or two of those on your roster, that's probably going to 
after two or three years of doing that, you know, recruiting cycle after recruiting cycle, you've now changed the face and the, the competition level of your program. So right. we, don't, we don't need a lot to commit. We, if we just get one every year and you have three or four of those uh, competing for you every year, that's, that's a big change. So um, that, that's why this, this works. But then again, now you have to go down to that, that next level and the level below that and the level below that because what we're trying to do overall whether you're struggling to get responses or in your case you've made some of these changes and now the responses are coming in almost to where you can't handle the response level uh, which as a side note makes my day so i'm, I'm really thrilled for you you're, that's a great there are coaches listening to this that would love to have your problem so um, but let's solve the problem that you have. What you need to do is sort of the, the thing that we've talked about in some past podcast episodes and a lot in what we've written is approaching this whole thing in, and you've sort of even outlined it. I'm, I'll, I'll say it as your A's, your B's, and your C's. Mm -hmm. You have A kids who, you have that top, top, top group that we're just talking about, but you also have everybody else that are classic high-level athletes within, you know, that would compete well right from the start as freshmen in your conference at your level, whatever that level is, um, those are your A's. And then you have a bit, much bigger group below that of, we'll call them the B's, who are above average, solid um, uh, high school prospects who are going to contribute at some point. They're they're going to work hard. They're going to develop into to players, maybe as sophomores and freshmen or sophomores and juniors that are going to be great, great uh, uh, players for you. So there's those. And then there's the C's who we've already talked about. We don't want the C's. We Maybe to fill out a roster or something, we would take a couple. Or if they're a legacy kid or they're, you know, they had two siblings that played there or they're their grandfather used to be the athletic director or whoever, you know, however they're falling into that, we would take them, but they're not going to be building the program. That's not what we want to hinge our future success on. So mm -hmm. as I've outlined that, it would make sense to go in order, right? We want as many A's as we can get, and then we want as many B's and C's. What, and I'm about to explain something that I wish I could do visually. We do this all the time in the workshops that we lead on campuses where I can sort of map it out visually, but I'm going to try to do my best in explaining it to you. And then I want to get feedback from you as to see if, if this makes sense. If we know we have A's, B's, and C's, those A's you just talked about, or do they have more options or less options in terms of, of possibilities to compete in, in college athletics uh, as far as colleges paying attention to them, those A's, do they have more or less? Um, you generally think that they would have more because they're right. going to be more college interested in talking yeah. to them. Absolutely. And, and they're going to have more at more different, at a variety of levels. They're going to have uh, more high level prospects. So from an order standpoint, if somebody, if, if we're coming in, you and I, coach, are coming in and we're trying to get somebody to make a decision to align with us and whatever, whatever it is, recruiting or some other facet of life, and they have a lot of other choices, it makes sense that they're going to take longer to make a decision because they have to weigh through more choices, and we may not be the first choice either. Um, so with that being said, does it make sense to 
ask them first or or I'll say demand an answer from them before we move on to the next the next level? Probably not if you're looking to, you know, if you're always going to take an A, um, then building building your base of Bs and maybe A C that you connect really well with. Um, right. No, right. So but but see it, when we stop and we think about it logically, we just think about it in human and social terms, it makes sense that it's harder to get somebody who has more choices to make a, a faster choice to us and ignore everybody else. That's just tougher. That's just harder. They are, and those prospects, because they have more, um, more options, are going to just take longer. So what I'm suggesting you do, uh, and... <laughs> We talk about making a change that's tough and taking a risk. I'm, what I'm about to outline is the risky thing to do. And I can say it to everybody listening to the podcast, Coach, because I'll probably have 2% of you try it. And the other 98% is going to go so far outside of the realm of what you've been used to that you're not going to, uh, not going to do that. The thing that I would encourage you to do is in terms of who do we ask first and this big group that's responding to you, who do I go after first and try to secure first? I'll make the case that you go after the very high B's and I'm going to make that case because psychologically what we know about them is that they are more prone to be ready to just want something. They, they want the opportunity to play college athletics. They know they're not as good as the A's. They know they're pretty good, but they don't have as many options. They don't, they certainly don't have the, the bargaining power that, uh, that some of the A's do. And so they're more ready to make a commitment first. I would ask them first. Now, let me back up a little bit more. When you look at A's, B's, and C's, if you were to write that out on a sheet of paper uh, and assign a percentage of your typical incoming class to each group. So you could just say, look, over the last two or three years, I've averaged in recruiting at my school um, that, you know, of all the kids that end up coming to campus in a freshman recruiting class, I have 20% or that are A's, uh, 60% that are B's, and another 20% that are C's. And your percentage may be different. I just use that as an example. Uh, what I know is that that 60% of the B's are what's going to make up my class. And what, re, just regardless of division level, regardless of success rate, that always ends up being the biggest percentage of kids coming into any program, yours or a competitor's in your conference. So if we're going to get the majority of our team in that B group, my question to you is, it doesn't it make sense that we get the upper level of that B group uh, to, mm -hmm. to commit to yes? And, of course, the answer is yes, because yes. There's, a, there's a big difference, as you know, between however you're going to define and scout your kids, there's going to be a big difference in a kid that's almost an A. He's up the upper, or he or she is up at the upper B level, almost an A, but very high level B compared to the athlete who is a lower level B. And if they don't do workouts over the summer, they're going to slip to a C. There's a big difference between those two athletes in that B group. And so we want the athletes that are at the higher level because let's just, again, let's play pretend. Let's say you go through that. We know psychologically they're ready to make a decision sooner. We go through the, the process of asking and they say yes. And we get if you had a, a range of Bs, that upper third section of your high Bs said yes, and that represented the same amount of Bs that typically came in in a class at 60%, but now they're all in that upper third, and they, and they commit sooner 
So you're off to a better start than, than usual in terms of commitments. Um, life is pretty good in your office because you know you have 60% of your class signed. They're very high-level Bs. A lot of those Bs are going to end up developing into As, and you did them did it first. While you're doing that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you haven't been communicating with the A's. It just means that you recognize they're going to take longer, and you're probably not going to ask them in the same time frame that you asked the B's. Now you can come back to the A's, continue to work on them, and get you know, maybe one of those superstars that just it's the right situation, and one or two or three other A's that would round out that group. And now you have 80% of your class signed. Um, so if you did that, you got the, all, all the A's on your list, whether it was by process of elimination or they committed, um, you have them, you have the upper third of the B's, you still need 20% of that class to be filled, right? Because we've been 60% of the B's, 20% of the A's, and now you're going 20% of the C's. What we're going to probably do as coaches is go back and start recruiting the rest of the B's. And so in that whole process that I outlined, which was a little faster and with a little less detail than I typically like to do it in person with, with a coaching staff or an athletic department, does that make sense? Like the order really matters. And when you do it that way, it doesn't matter if you're getting a lot of responses or not. We go in order. There's a system to it. And that's what allows you to manage that increased number of, uh, of athletes. D so first of all, does that make sense? I've been writing it down as you've been talking, so I've okay. got my little visual, yes. Okay. Now, the other thing is that here's where what you've, do, what you've already done, the foundation that you've laid, you may not, may not realize it, but the foundation that you've laid is important if we're going to play out that, that process I just described. Mm -hmm. Because the coach who has barely enough kids, they need, let's just say in their sport, they need uh, 10 kids to commit and they're recruiting 12 prospects. That's a very, that's a, a narrow needle to thread. It, you can't make any mistakes. You can only lose two. The pressure's on, and that's a coach who's listening to this saying, I can't do this because more kids are going to say, no, I'm going to be out of luck, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in trouble. You, on the other hand, have made the changes that allow you to have more recruits interested than you probably need, which means that as you go through this, you can be very analytical and not not uh, rude, but you're, you're now you're recruiting from a position of power and strength in the sense that if somebody doesn't want to commit and they're a high B, my message to them is, I get it, but the recruiting process here at our school is moving really fast, so I need to move on. It's been great recruiting you. I think you're probably you know leaning towards somewhere else, you're, and we may not be the right fit for you. I need to move on. And you can do that knowing that I've got more kids than I really can can handle anyway. So getting a kid to say no or crossing them off the list because they're not showing the same uh, advancement in the process is easy. And I, some coaches say it's even fun to get them off the list and move on to the next one because you have so many that you can do that. The coach that hasn't made the changes that you've taken the risk and it's paid off to make can't do that because they're handcuffed. They have to get those 10 out of the 12 to commit. And of course, it's hard to do and they don't do it, but mm -hmm. they feel like I can't make these changes because um, uh, it, it's too few of a number. So this is where your what you've done so far, and now you've had 
more prospects than you can handle come in, this is where it serves you well is when it's time to start closing and putting together a class, you don't have to sweat if somebody's not interested. I mean, hey, it would have been great, but I probably have three or four other just like you that I had slight, rated slightly below you in, in my prospect list. And so I'm going to go now and talk to them. And that's, again, where things get really fun because it allows you then to be in complete control of the process. I mean, from start to finish, you may, you may have entered this conversation feeling like it's out of control because you have so many kids responding and you can't keep up. You can't get back to them in a certain amount of time. But what it allows you to do at the end of the process is go through and get the kids who are going to be best for your program. And when they hear you talk about the fact that they're, you're willing to walk away, um, and a lot of them are really good at picking up that sense, and you're not going to be the program that's just hanging around and, oh, yeah, take your time. You can come here anytime or we'll, we'll still be interested because that coach is terrified of losing them. You're now dealing from a position of strength, and they realize that. And that actually attracts them to your program even more. So I'm going to catch myself here and take a breath because I've thrown a lot of ideas at you. So what, what questions do you have so far? And what is it that, is there anything in there that you feel like wouldn't work or isn't, isn't lining up with the way that you would approach, approach recruiting? Um, just kind of my, my initial sort of, emotional hiccup is of course, you know, this is, this is only the second communication I've ever had with people. Uh, do I, do I really need to start asking them already? You know, why, why should I spend my time on you? Or is that something that I wait, you know, four emails in? Hey coach, we'll get right back to the podcast here in just a minute, but first a question for you. Have you gone over to look at legendrings.com yet? You should. You may have been hearing us talk about them on previous podcast episodes. Another coach did. In fact, the question that he had for me was, so Dan, what do they really look like? And I said, what do you mean, what do they really look like? He said, well, I saw what they look like on the website, but what do they look like when they actually show up for coaches that order them? And the answer is exactly like they do on the website. In fact, coach, you get to design what the ring looks like. This is the same look that the big time national champions have but at a fraction of the price so whether it's for rewarding your team on a great season rewarding individuals whatever the case legendrings.com is the new coach's choice for beautiful college sports rings so go there now in fact when you do mention the college recruiting weekly podcast when you talk to the representative and you'll get a special gift your own coach's ring for free that's legendrings.com. Coach, you got to go check it out. Okay, now back to the podcast. Uh, yeah. Five emails in before I start trying trying to slice people off. And kind of previously, um, we, would, we would open communication in January and start slicing down in July. Um, so to open communication in January and then slice down in February seems so early. Yeah. Well, listen, so... So is it too early, too late? Um, is it after one email or four emails or, or six emails or conversations? Completely up to you because that all determines or that all kind of fits into what is your timeline. If you knew you had, you know, this is the, you know, you're dealing with juniors right now and you have 10 or 11 months before it is likely they would make a final decision, 
you have mm-hmm. lots of time and I, I wouldn't rush it artificially. Um, you know, if you have, if it's, you know, a class that's going to probably make the decision in the next 30 or 60 days, completely different. I would, I would have that conversation, even if we had only one or two previous conversations, maybe they came in late to the game, uh, to your knowledge. And yeah, so it kind of depends on the timing. Um, is that the earlier you start and we're big proponents of a coach starting the re- recruiting process early, um, that, that process really moves forward um, based on, on your timeline. Mm-hmm. So, so again, if you knew that I've got a lot of time, it's a junior and, you know, we still have 10 months before they'd likely, you know, we would be pressing them to make a decision. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, to eliminate them right away, as long as I can handle the, the interaction. The other side of it is that if it's a short timeline, I really do need to do that. So, so the number of contacts, what we have found is that there's no magic number of emails or letters or, you know, things that you tell them about the, the school. There's not a magic number where then all of a sudden after that number, after the 14th email goes out, that's when they're ready. Because you have, you have kids that are all over the place in terms of, uh, of when they're ready. Uh, we just need them to, we just need them to, to give you information so that you know what it is that they, where they're leaning. And, and again, if they're not leaning towards you, they're really good and you want to work on them and you've got 10 months, then do that. If they're really good, but they're not leaning towards you and you have two months left and you really need to make a decision, then that would be the athlete I would take off the list. Um, so you have some flexibility and any coach listening to this, you have flexibility based on the timeline that you set, but you go back and listen to or read all the stuff we've written about how important timelines are in the coach establishing how much, when they're basically wrapping up their recruiting and when they're going to end it and walk away this is now the process. This is where it fits into what we're talking about here. It gives, it gives the whole thing, gives you context for how much time you have and, and how much time the athlete has to make a decision. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll throw in one more thing because originally part of that original question you asked, you said, you know, part of the challenge was keeping up with contact, keeping up with, so many kids, oh, yeah. how, how do I do that? How do I communicate that? Um, I will give you two sort of two easy things to do is in in the messaging you're creating, uh, and especially if you have time, if, if it's early on in the process, you want to make them feel like there's engagement, but you just don't have the time to engage with, with every single person. Um, this is, again, where you rating them and ranking them and putting them into a category. If they're an A recruit, I definitely want to respond and communicate as much as possible. And certainly a high B, I would do that as well, because those are our targets. That's going to make up the majority of our class. In the messaging that you create, Coach, number one, be conversational. And again, at the dantutor.com site on the blog, we have tons of information on how to write messaging and letters. You can look that up. Um, coaches that are subscribing to Honey Badger Recruiting, we, we have a lot of information on, on what's working, the latest stuff that's working. So you can you have stuff to access in terms of how to do that. I won't go into that here. But if you, if you talk about your program, the college, why they should go there conversationally and give them things that they would need to know in a conversational way about that particular topic, but then at the end say, 
hey, can you do me a favor and let me know how that sounds? Does that sound like that might be a good fit? Or is that kind of what you're looking for in a school? Let me know. Get back to me. Text me or email or just reply to this email and uh, let's talk about it. When you do that, you're opening the door and they'll respond. And maybe it's in some of that response that you're feeling bogged down. But what I would do is if there are some general questions that get answered, for my lower Bs and Cs, what I might do as the coach is to come up with a standard answer that says, you know, I might type it out and say, hey, that sounds great. I uh, really want to talk to you more about that at some point, and I'll be getting you more information. So let's keep this conversation going. But great to hear from you. I hope everything's going great. Um, you know, something like that. And what I would do is for all the kids that needed to get a response, but I don't have the time to give them that personal response or to text them back or to schedule a phone call, those lower Bs and Cs at this point, I would copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste that, that response and let them feel like, okay, the coach saw my response. She responded back to me. I'm going to keep engaging with her. And we do that with that group, those lower Bs and Cs, because you never know when they take that dramatic athletic jump and all of a sudden they're a high B or an A. You know, they grow four inches. They cut, you know, four and a half seconds off their time, depending on whatever the sport is, you see these dramatic changes from year to year. And we don't want to ignore a kid early on and then, you know, later want them. So mm -hmm. we do that. But then for those upper level kids, I am going to take the time. That, that's where I am going to devote time to responding individually. Now, I might copy and paste some of them, but add to that message. I think what bogs down a coach is something that we face in our life all the time. We open up our inbox as coaches every day, and we see you know 35 new messages from our athletic department, from a prospect, from our team, from some somebody that needs our attention. And what do we do? We spend the next hour and a half or two hours typing out, you know, individual replies. Some messages are like that. Others we can mass answer. And um, so that's what I'm encouraging here is, is that efficiency that sometimes we can't put to work in our, in our regular coaching lives in our inbox, but that we can do here in, in what I'm describing. So that's how I would approach it. Um, and I think one of the other byproducts of it is that as you do that uh, and you see responses coming in, you're going to see responses not happening. Um, it's going to be very easy to edit out and start to narrow down that list a little bit into something that's that's workable. I would encourage you, though, not to work it down so small early in the process that you don't leave your enough uh, enough room at the end to have the advantage that right now you have, which is you're going to be recruiting from a position of strength for the next few months because you have so many kids that are responding and engaging because you're doing the right things on the messaging side. Um, so it's that it's that balance. Um, maybe that's the the big thing I want you to come away with is it's it's a balanced approach. So um, I know I threw a lot of information at you. Any last follow up questions or anything that I can define moving forward based on what we talked about? Um, I think for me the everything makes sense and you know backing up and thinking about it logically. I I find it so very, very funny that I never thought of copy-paste, but it, <laughs> legitimately, that's one of my, one of the biggest things we feel is what's your practice schedule? And yeah. if I don't have to type out what six days are spent doing, then that's, I mean, for however many people ask that, that suddenly becomes so much easier. 
Right. And look, I have, co- I have coaches that will take common responses, common questions that they get, and they'll put a Google Doc together or just save it somewhere where they can go to it, copy and paste it immediately. And um, that athlete feels like they got a very detailed, personalized answer. And the coach only spent, you know, 20 seconds doing it because they were just copying and pasting from another, you know, another set of uh, questions. So you could, you can definitely do that. There are ways to create efficiency. Um, but always, the last thing I would say is that the, the thing you want to do is look at them as A's, B's, and C's. And we know they make their decisions differently at different times. And so positioning them through our conversations to be ready to make those decisions when we want them, I think that's one of the big keys to, to building a successful program at any level. It doesn't matter what the sport, what the level, that's how we've seen it work uh, across division levels. And that's how our conversation with this coach wrapped up. Now, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I love solving problems like this. When a coach has too many responses from recruits they really want, and it's more about managing time and how do I how do I manage this newfound interest, boy, that is a great problem to have, and that is something that we love dealing with. And I must be truthful with you again that when we have clients that are – following the plan that we put together, they're executing the strategy, they're using the messaging, this is not an uncommon result. And I mention that because of this. If you are struggling, or, or if this last recruiting class went by and you feel like, I'm just not connecting with this group of teenagers that I'm recruiting, it's getting harder. They're not They're not checking my emails. They're not responding to my letters or messages. Or I'm not even sending letters. Um, there is a plan that we can develop for you that we have for Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of your competitors around the country that we work with uh, all throughout every week, every month of, of the year to ensure that they get good recruiting classes. And I'm mentioning this because if we've never had that discussion with you before, please contact me. Email me, dan at dantutor.com. No sales pitch. I'm just going to explain what we do, why it works, the science behind it, and you can judge for yourself to see whether or not it's something that should be implemented in your program. Uh, literally cost pennies a day to implement, and that's something that, uh, again, we're, we're proud of, and we want to make sure uh, gets in place if it's the right fit, the right coach, the right program in as many different places around the country as possible because we love seeing coaches succeed, and we love when they are handling too many incoming interest emails and calls and texts. That's, a, again, great problem to have, and that's what we're in the business of doing. So let us do that for you. Coach, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're telling the rest of your coaching staff, the rest of your department, uh, to listen to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast, subscribe to it. If you're getting stuff out of it, bring it up in your next department meeting as a resource. We try to put these together um, uh, free to the point, and it's something that, uh, again, we do for the coaching community on a regular basis. So we're glad that you listened, glad that you are a part of it. And we look forward to the next episode and you joining us then on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Tudor. Go to the website, dantutor.com, our Honey Badger recruiting site if you're into daily training. Uh, and, uh, and again, any way that we can answer questions, just email me, dan at dantutor.com. would love to talk to you and uh, answer questions. So have a great day, good week out there, Coach, and keep recruiting hard. And we will be back again here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher. And make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. 
Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.